on the Urantia Radio podcast. We have joining us Donna D'Angelo, who has authored her third book, The Women Who Loved Jesus. Donna testifies in this interview that she received communication from these women and was inspired to tell their story on her latest book. Now, we dive into this because perhaps one of the greatest reveals of the Urantia book's life and teachings of Jesus is the revelation that Jesus did, in fact, invite women who became apostles, evangelicals for the early Christian movement, and it was revolutionary at its time. I think you really enjoyed this podcast. on the program. I'm very honored to have Donna D'Angelo. She has written a book called The Women Who Love Jesus, just released in July. And it's an inspiring book that includes details of long suppressed stories, thanks to the eyewitness narrations provided by each of the dozen female apostles. That's right, female apostles. For those who have listened to this podcast and are relatively new readers to the Arantia book, How many of you realize the significance? Imagine if the world knew this wonderful truth that Jesus, along with 12 apostles that were men, also had 12 apostles that were women. And we're going to talk about that and the significance of that and Donna's own personal story as well here on the Arantia Radio podcast. Donna, it's good to be with you. I was a little nervous about this interview, I have to tell you, because... uh, I'm just overwhelmed about this idea that the world needs to know, and you're here telling that story. So I guess my first question is, what what gave you the inspiration to want to take what you know uh, to the press and write a book about the women who love Jesus? Well, thank you, Jim, for this opportunity to share this story with the uh, your listening audience. <clears throat> the contact that I had with the 12 women apostles began in December of 1999. I was meeting with a group of two Urantia book readers after I had recently moved to California in the San Francisco Bay Area. And my two friends and I were talking about our mutual interest in healing when all of a sudden my inner screen vision opened and I saw these women who were in this luminous background of beautiful colors of um, just amazing colors. And they kind of intuitively informed me that these were the 12 women that Jesus commissioned. And I felt like they were encouraging my friends and I to start a women's core of, of healing because we all shared a very strong interest in healing at different levels. And as I told my friends what I was seeing, my vision screen expanded even broader. And then Jesus appeared behind the women with his hands outstretched and each woman was lined up in between his hands and they were just radiating their love and encouragement down upon us. And and we could feel it. It was a very palpable uh, feeling of, of just this purest 
love and um, yeah, let's do this. We want you to do this. And so my friends and I just experienced this in, in a moment of embracing uh, uh, one another and tears were just flowing down our cheeks because it was so strong. And so after that, we had tried to um, gather some women together, but it never really took off. And then about 11 years later, uh, I was contacted by the women again. I had moved from California to Florida, where I'm presently living. And they came back to me and they, they asked me to start a women's corps. And by that time, I had established a following through my ministry. And we met for about seven years. There was a group of women who were interested in healing from an energetic standpoint, and the women's core came back to us and they started teaching us how to hold focus and where to direct healing energies. So that went on from about 2010 to 2017, where they were training us. And then around 2019, or uh, I think it was the yeah, early 2019, they came back and they asked me to write their story. And I was a little nervous about doing that because um, I recognized that this was a very big deal to share their personal accounts. They were very patient with me. And over time, it was about a year that I met with a friend who held a space for me for, for their messages of their personal experience of Jesus to come through. And each woman shared how Jesus spiritually, you might call it, magnetized them at their soul level to catalyze something of such great value in them that they were forever changed. And what happened to each woman in her own way was to find out who she really was from a soul perspective. And through that uh, catalyzed awakening, they found each other, they were guided together and they formed this women's core. They were brought into the encampment that followed Jesus through a variety of, of ways in which they were kind of brought together. And each woman shared her particular spiritual experience with Jesus and how she ministered, how she learned to minister from the spirit and to help people that were coming into the encampment to learn about Jesus and to receive healing. So this is kind of like the back story. Uh, and it, um, it took me about a year to get all of the stories compiled. And then it was in early or mid 2022 where they encouraged me to finish the book that the time was right now that this story needed to be presented to the world because the presence of the divine Holy Mother Spirit is now pouring out her presence on the planet to help the children of this world awaken to their true spiritual potential. And that the emphasis on the ministry of the male apostles had taken more precedence in Christian thought. And it was now time to have like a, a rebalancing be done through the story of these beautiful women who were so attached to Jesus and just loved him so, so much and were so devoted to him and that, that they could 
come uh, come into a group formation and do some tremendous healing and soul-to-soul communication, which then catalyzed uh, individuals to open to more of their spiritual potential. And one of the most astonishing things that they told me was that their social foundation of how they work together as a group laid the foundation, laid the social foundation, which later evolved into the Christian church. That and that was added on with the uh, the teachings and the preachings of the male apostles, and then how Christianity then further evolved through the teachings of Paul and the other means of the uh, the teachings being spread into the world. But their social foundation was the what you might call the the foundation of of how the ministry expanded. Let me ask you a couple of questions because you brought up a lot of things. Number one, when you had the original contact, did the other people that were there with you, did they also share in that that opening of the door and the vision or was it an experience that you had by yourself, number one? They did not see the same thing that I saw, but they felt what I was experiencing when I told them and was like the, the field of energy opened up and they were brought into it and they could feel the women's presence around them, I believe. Okay. It's, it's yeah. going back to 1999, so oh, I know, I'm right? trying to... Yeah, and yeah. then also, you, by that time, were you already familiar with the Urantia book? I've been a Urantia book reader since 1975, so, so yes, I read these. So I imagine yes, it yes. must have been quite a... A treat when you're familiar because you're familiar with the original story. Tell the original story if you would, and you know maybe a minute or two if you could, since you're so well versed. Tell us about that, the women's evangelical core, because again, many people who listen to this podcast are just beginning to learn about the Arantia book and being such a voluminous book. Uh, you know, paper 150 is towards the end of the book. So tell us about this wonderful story. It was the third preaching tour. Jesus was well-established. People knew who he was. He and the apostles and members of John the Baptist group, Abner and his associates. So it was sort of like the mid-peak, if you could think of like, it was at their their peak popularity, if you will. So tell us about that story of these women that, that came onto the stage. It's kind of a curious thing because each woman had her own unique experience with Jesus. Um, they found out about him through various means. For example, um, one of the women, uh, Martha, uh, was a sister of the apostles Andrew and um, Peter. So they knew about, she knew about him prior to his um, public ministry, but she had conversations with him and he evoked something in her. Uh, There were other women who went to hear him preach and the it was almost like an electromagnetic chemical reaction that they had in their bodies or in their hearts where they could feel like a presence emit from him. It was like a spiritual magnet drawing uh, them into his his presence. Tell us about Susanna. Susanna, who, who was the leader, she was also married to a, a religious leader. And so uh, when Jesus was in the area, and she started learning more about his teachings, they really spoke to her heart and soul, and she struck out on her own path. 
I think the thing that was most in common with all of these women is that they felt so empowered to move beyond the confines of their traditional upbringing. And they had tremendous courage to follow where their heart was guiding them. And that that was that kind of like that spiritual magnetism that, that Jesus had. So when they met one another in the encampment and they started to share their experiences with one another, I believe that there was some kind of spiritual synergy that had been um, catalyzed that brought them into this um, intention that they wanted to do something more like in a group setting like the male apostles were doing to help people grow in what Jesus's gospel was teaching them. Mm-hmm. So kind of a curious um, happenstance, and I'm sure there was a lot of seraphic <laughs> involvement behind them guiding these women together to form this amazing core of of women who had unique abilities, they were very, um, they were very diverse. Uh, some were not even from the Jewish religion. Uh, Kelta was the daughter of a Roman centurion, and she was extremely brave in leaving her tradition, uh, even due to parental um, disdain and embarking upon her own path. Nisanta was the daughter of a physician, and she. Uh, Uh, had learned a lot about healing from her dad, her father, through the natural substances that we have on the planet. And she struck out on her path because Jesus catalyzed that, probably that biological inheritance from her father to be a healer. So they all had their own unique abilities, but the, the synergy that they formed was so cohesive and harmonized that they were kind of like a spiritual magnet that drew more people in to the encampment for for healing and for other kinds of spiritual ministry. Jesus taught them how to communicate at a soul level, you know, to kind of drop into that place of deep listening for a person's true soul needs, which Jesus was so expert in doing. You know, he always asked many questions of people when he was personally ministering them to take the kernel of what they needed and elevate it to a a higher perspective of, you know, kind of like evoking more faith in them. And he taught the women how to do this and they became very adept at doing this. And I think this is one of the reasons that they were so successful in building a cohesive group of followers of Jesus in conjunction with what the male apostles did that, grew kind of like a spiritual synergy in a social foundation, which then later evolved into the Christian church. You know, when I'm listening to you, I'm just so saddened that, that the Paul, who was such a, an important influence on Christianity in general, that he didn't take that and see how he could work it to his benefit. Why do you suppose it was, I mean, even today, Christian, many sects of the Christian church don't allow priests why didn't that part of such an important event, why did not it survive and become a greater influence, even though they had a great influence on the basic foundation of Christianity, they were left behind. Women were sort of left behind. And um, what do you think, what, 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 have any of these sisters ever mentioned that to you? Or can you give me any insight? Well, Yes, and and it has to do with particular mindsets. 
since we are all creatures of the mind, we our minds can default to certain what you might call larger collective belief systems that are uh, that are just kind of out there in our consciousness. And one of the belief systems at that time, and it's still remnants of that during this period, even in certain cultures on the planet, of a autocratic patriarchal hierarchy that uh, suppresses the voice and the role of women. And I don't think that Paul was able to personally not only understand but feel or sense that women had a purpose other than to be breeders uh, of children. You know, in I think there is a, some kind of a, a belief in certain religious beliefs that, you know, better to be born uh, in a different form than to be born a woman. And these women had to face tremendous amounts of prejudice and disdain, but they were so attached to Jesus. They were so... Um, spiritually devoted to him, that that was strong enough to overcome the objections that they faced from this mindset that was that was very pervasive uh, in in the culture at that time, and we still see remnants of that in our uh, uh, in our culture. Absolutely. In some Can I read something countries? here? I want to just—it's less than a paragraph, but it really hits home the point, And then I'd love to get your reaction. And this is from the Urantia book, paper 150, section two. It says, and when, and um, something about Adam, Andrew, the, the lead apostle, had imposed rather strict rules upon his associates about doing personal work with women, uh, especially with those of questionable character. Now, Jesus had brought these 10 women in, and then later, of course, there were two additional women brought in, his sister, and then I believe Mary Magdalene says, uh, and when Andrew first started working with him, he was very careful of other men in the group because he said, especially with those of questionable character. So I think inherent in men is they tend to get distracted by women for purely physical reasons. And that always leads to problems. And I think Andrew sensed that and, and, and sort of put a protective shield over these women saying, you better let these women do their job. Don't interfere. Don't get, you know, and I just think it's an interesting perspective that even then, Andrew, uh, despite his own default positions on women in general, he was clear enough in his mind to recognize that the master had made a brilliant choice in bringing these women in. And as you had said, their influence is extremely valued, valuable to Christianity in general. Uh, even Mary Magdalene in the story is that she didn't believe she was worthy of Jesus's faith. And they came to her and she ended up being one of the most prominent members of the group. And that's why I think what you have done is important because women all over the world need to know the story that Jesus, they even use the word, the emancipation. What was it? The emancipation proclamation and that Jesus had the emancipation proclamation for women but it got lost in history, and it's a tragedy. Well, this is why it's so important for this story to be resurrected right now, because women are taking their place in the halls of different social institutions. But we have to um, remember that the role of women in society is different than the role of men. And they talk about that in the Arantia book and the marriage papers, which are some of the most really very important papers to read, because 
that is the social foundation of yeah. our culture. And keep in mind that when Jesus was growing, he did not understand uh, why there was such a bias against women. He, he questioned why his mother Mary had to be partitioned in the temple and couldn't participate in the discussions with the men. He didn't like that. Yeah. So I'm sure that that experience that he has had as a young boy carried with him into his adult life where he understood from the father's perspective, from his adjuster, that women are equal in standing before God the Father, and they have every right to be ministers and teachers and healers in, in their own way. The problem really stems from the rebellion and the way in which the uh, Adamic default occurred when there was a lot of the, um, what you might call, um, mythology of Adam and Eve, uh, Eve being blamed for the problems of the world, or, for example, in Greek mythology, Pandora opening the box to unleash all the ills <laughs> yeah. uh, of, of the, uh, uh, upon the world. And, and there still is this kind of like ingrained mistrust that has been kind of a cultural form for thousands and thousands of years. And these are very difficult mindsets to overcome unless you have a heart of like a heart of Jesus, where he had that sense of equality and uh, the sense of the, uh, he understood the role of women. And we have gotten away from that. And keep in mind in the marriage papers, they do make a statement about men's roles and women's roles are different. You know, that men's rights and women's rights are not the same, but they are designed to work complementarily with one another instead of being antagonistic, which is still what we're kind of dealing yeah. with. We're, <laughs> we're moving in a, in a better direction, hopefully. And, and I hope that this book, as it touches people's hearts, will open people to release all of these uh, long-standing mistrusts of one another, because I think women have been hurt by the way men have treated them, and so there's mistrust on both sides, and we have to overcome that if we're going to heal our social fabric and build, be, able, be able to build healthy family foundations where men and women are coming together to raise children in a loving environment where the masculine and feminine energies of the child can be harmonized. And we don't have that right now. We're talking with Donna D'Angelo. Her book is called The, Wom the Women Who Love Jesus, The Untold Story of the Women's Evangel uh, Evangelistic Core. Uh, we should also, as a footnote, mention that it, it, it sounds like what you're saying is because of their foundational contribution to the early formation of the Christian church, it eventually won over uh, the Mithraic cult that was very predominant in that time, and they were sort of competing religions. But the one thing that made Christianity work was they allowed women to go to church, whereas the Mithraic, you know, give, stand over there. And over time, this actually became very important. Uh, for those who don't know, the reason we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, uh, well, that's a, that's a Mithraic... Um, sort of compromise in order to bring those people over to the early Christian church in that particular region of, of the world. Uh, the, the front cover is wonderful. Who did that? Uh, it's a picture of Jesus standing with the apostles, and there's, it's very nicely done. 
Yes, that was rendered by some professional artists that my publisher found. Oh, very who's good. Worked with, yeah. So who is your favorite? I mean, do you have a favorite? Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> which of the women do you really just um, appreciate the most? And who has the story that really resonates with you? Oh, my gosh. They all did. Because when I was receiving their stories, they also shared their emotional experiences with me. And there were times when I couldn't even get the words out because it was so profound, uh, the love and the remembrance of what they went through. I guess Mary Magdalene stands out and she was the last one who came through. But when she shared her experience, I'm getting emotional now. When she shared her experience of the first time she came before Jesus and she just fell apart because the love that she experienced from him just washed away all that unworthiness that she had experienced over the course of her life. And he established in her her divine dignity as a daughter of God. That was extremely moving. It was extremely powerful of how that emotion came through and her feeling of how he redeemed her in a way that brought out her true gifts. And then she became this incredible spokesperson for the group. But there were other ones that, that uh, like I said, I mentioned Kelta before and, and the courage that she had to leave her Roman upbringing and strike on her her own path, even under the um, uh, you know the discouragement and almost uh, you know ostracization from her father, who did not want her to do this. It, 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 these women were incredible, incredible. What what Jesus, the power that Jesus invoked in him, in them, in each of them, was just incredible to experience and. And the beauty of that was it was like they shared that with me and that helped me in my own personal relationship with Jesus to feel more empowered to then, you know, take these stories and, and bring them to life. You know, this was not something that I had ever had on my radar to yeah. do in my life. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very powerful experience and I hope that that type of energy that spiritual energy just comes through the pages that you read it with the eye of the heart not just with the eye of the intellect but truly with yeah. the eye of the heart and spirit uh, we should mention that donna's previous acclaimed titles are teach us to love from origin press 2011 and also divine mother divine father and she uh is the i guess the ceo of institute christ consciousness the website institute christ consciousness.org uh if you want to reach her and talk to her, get to know her and her background. She lives in Florida and uh, she's just a, a renowned pioneer, especially, I mean, look, I, I think it's wonderful that you've had these experiences. You uh, Do you continue to have these experiences with these women? Yes, because after I finished uh, the book, they came back in about, I think it was March or April this year, and they asked me to start a modern-day women's corps. So there have been a number of ladies involved in my ministry, and I've been um, collaborating with them and doing healing sessions with them to help them open up to their true soul purpose. And so I invited a number of them to join me on our new newly formed women's corps 
So we are in the process of developing our ministry. We're getting to know each other as soul sisters, you might say. There are nine of us now in this group, and there is a webpage on my website uh, at institutechristconsciousness.org, which will be expanding over time to talk about the women's core that we are now forming because we want to help women come into their rightful role uh, as teachers and healers and ministers of the gospel that Jesus preached and so this is kind of like a continuation of from our ancient sisters passing the 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 torch to us and saying, okay, now it's your turn <laughs> to do the work that we did, but you're going to do it in a more modern way. You know, these women were together physically, and the women that are in part of the core were all over the place, were in different parts of the U.S. and, and Canada. So it's um, it's a growing movement, and I just encourage if anyone is interested in joining the core and uh, learning more about it, just to reach out to me, you can email me at Donna at institutechristconsciousness.org. And uh, we can just, you know, have a conversation and see if this is something that interests you. But we want to develop more um, local communities of like-hearted minded women who are interested in doing spiritual ministry. But we just got started a few months ago. So, uh, I feel like our ancient sisters will be guiding us along the path, along with our uh, guardian seraphim, of how we can further the work that they started so majestically um, 2,000 years ago with um, under the beautiful teachings and ministrations of Jesus. You, you know, this is this is a time when the the. The true gospel of Jesus needs to be resurrected. The simplicity of it, faith in the Father, loving service in the family of humanity. These women embody that, and then they are passing the torch for us to replicate in whatever ways we're being guided to. Do you know what the outcomes of their lives, any any of them meet with a tragic death? Uh, was yes. any? Can you tell us yes. any about that? Yeah, Um like they, there were there were a couple that had some pretty uh, horrific deaths, and they did not want to go into detail because it was pretty uh, pretty gruesome. Um, some didn't even mention it at all. the The theme of the book was really more on the spiritual awakening that Jesus evoked in the women, and how he was able to kind of like reach in deep and help them recognize who they really are as daughters of God. And what their true calling was. That is really more of the emphasis of the story. So some of them didn't want to go into that um, a, a departure of, uh, you know, on the planet. One one woman did live a regular, I think it was Nasanta, who was the, um, the daughter of the physician. She, after Pentecost, and they, they were kind of scattered, she went back into her community and did the healing and ministry of the gospel in her domain. So she lived a rather rather long life. She was relatively untouched, but there were a couple that went into that uh, did not uh, have a very um, peaceful, and it was very tragic. I think one of the one of the women were the niece of Thomas. Do I have that right of Thomas the Doubting cousin. Apostle? Do you know if she cousin. went with cousin? Did she go with him to India or wherever he went? Because I understand he was 
one that made it all the way to India. It may even say that in the Arantia book. Oh, that was Nathaniel who made Nathaniel. it to India. Okay, all right. Yeah. And, and no, I don't believe, if I recall in her story, she did not end uh, with, you know, post-Pentecost, what happened to them. Mm. They, they, they didn't want to go into a lot of the material details of their life because the spiritual import, they felt, was much more, more important. important that yeah. people are still kind of like more interested in more of the material or the curious facts of their lives. And they really wanted to hone in on how Jesus ministered to the soul and how they replicated that model for uh, modern day ministers of the gospel to really learn how to do that through this listening and just letting the Holy Spirit kind of speak through the individual to touch the soul of that, in, that, that person who is in great need of spiritual awakening. Well, listen, I could talk forever, but I always try to keep these to 30 minutes. And I appreciate you so much, Donna, and sharing all of this. And again, I encourage people to get the book, The Women Who Love Jesus. If you're not familiar with the story and these women, it's inspiring to no end. And so are you, Donna. Thank you so much for coming on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Jim. I'm very grateful. Thanks again to Donna, and I can bet you she'll be back as a frequent guest on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Thanks for stopping in. If you want to reach me, as always, Radio at gmail.com. I'm Jim Watkins. Thanks for joining us. 